0: Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's
1: clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Asciuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business New Orleans style.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti, welcome to Out to Lunch. Technology touches almost every aspect of our lives. Our phones and uh, the applications on them from Google Maps to Uber to Apple Pay are integral parts of almost everything we do. Because this integration is so useful and universal, it can feel like we've been doing this forever. But the first iPhone was only released in 2007. Uh, Now, initially the pioneers of tech were in Northern California in what became known as Silicon Valley. Uh, because there was such a huge amount of venture capital there, and we still tend to associate tech development with that part of the world. But in fact, most cities now have a tech sector, New Orleans included. But tech isn't generally in the forefront of our conversations here. We're all very aware of what the COVID pandemic has done to our hospitality sector, our entertainment sector, and our tourist sector, but we're less familiar with how the pandemic is affecting the tech sector. And it is in very interesting ways. My guests on today's Out to Lunch are both members of the tech sector who are responding to the crisis. If you've been anywhere in the last few months, you've probably come across a person behind a counter or a doorway with a handheld thermometer gun. They point it at your forehead. If you clock in at a normal temperature, you can proceed past them. If you have a fever, you can't. Although this is a well-intentioned attempt to control the spread of the coronavirus, the fatal flaw in this process is the person who's taking your temperature has to be considerably closer to you than six feet, which kind of defeats the purpose, especially if you're the person getting within arm's length of hundreds of people a day. A company called DigiTherm has come up with a piece of technology that replaces the person with a thermometer gun with what looks to be kind of an iPad on top of a sleek pedestal. You step up to the device, a screen displays your face and uses infrared technology to take your temperature. It all happens in a matter of seconds. It's foolproof. It doesn't require any human contact and it can process people faster than the person with the thermometer gun. The creator and co-owner of DigiTherm is David Rome. David, welcome down to lunch.
1: Thank you, Peter. Good to be here.
2: Conway Solomon is founding partner and CEO of a company called Wristband. If you think back to when we had live entertainment, you'll remember that at the door of a venue or the gateway to a festival, a person would rip your ticket in half, stamp your hand, or put a plastic wristband on your wrist. What Conway's company, Wristband, does is manufacture and provide live event producers with a system that employs electronic wristbands to let people into an event or space. The wristbands use a technology called RFID, Radio Frequency Identification, that's typically used by companies like Amazon to track packages. The principal advantage of this kind of technology is it's foolproof. A scanner lights up green if you're good to go and red if you're not. And speed? You can get a lot of people per minute through an entrance. Wristband has been used at numerous events across the country, including the Super Bowl, Essence Fest, and the NCAA Final Four. But what happens in a world where there are no live events? Is there a pandemic pivot for wristband? I think we're gonna find out. Conway Solomon welcomed out to lunch.
3: Thanks, Peter, great to be
0: here.
2: David, DigiTherm is a timely piece of tech. You developed it in response to the specific COVID era need that public places like schools and restaurants have for taking the temperature of people who are coming to them. So firstly, congratulations on designing, manufacturing, and marketing a product so quickly That's really impressive. Here's the one thing I'm wondering about, though. The concept of replacing a person with a machine, in this instance, is a great idea, while everything's running smoothly and everybody's happy. But what happens when I step up to the device, say, uh, going into the mall, and your DigiTherm device tells me that I have too high a temperature to be admitted? Without a person standing there saying, I'm sorry, you can't come in, what's going to stop me from walking right by the device and disappearing into the mall? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well literally nothing right there what, what we're recommending with with different venues is first of all the, the idea started with uh, with schools so at schools um, you have many teachers that would be out there taking temperatures um, what, what we came up with is instead of ten teachers out there taking temperatures in the morning um, y- instead of them being in their classroom preparing for the day we uh, the kiosk if you have 10 kiosks out there you really only need one or two uh, teachers by each entrance so instead of 10 you're down to two you're saving your 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 teachers from from doing a a very manual job and and uh, preparing for the day instead at a location like a shopping mall or at at an office complex signage is very important obviously most places that we're at we do recommend that uh, there's somebody within a 50 foot radius because if you do have a temperature, there is an alarm and there is a, a, a visual red light that flashes. So, um, also we're finding that it's, it's um, if there are other people around you and that goes off, someone's going to tell you something. <laughs> does, there's actually going to be some, some judgment from others in the area that'll be like, well, you better get out of here or do something else. <laughs> Otherwise, we give some protocol recommendations to any company that has the kiosk.
2: You know, David, I'm thinking that, Almost every minute, you're 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 thinking about new markets for the product, right? Is that kind of the way it looks?
1: Exactly, exactly. And and we've just hired on a new salesperson that is going to be pushing us into some other major cities, um, concentrating on the medical market. You know, orthopedic surgeon doc, uh, offices, dentists. Um, otherwise, normally we started with the hospitality industry because that's where I originally came from. Uh, and it's still involved. So uh, our our next future market, we feel is going to be conventions and associations all around the country that want to open up their events to people to come in and get temperature checked. Instead of having, like I said, people there, volunteers or paid people, uh, instead of being two feet from people, now the kiosk will, will satisfy that need for social distance. So the markets every day, we can't concentrate on all of them. We're concentrating on that medical, Uh, still schools, and now our hospitality market as well.
2: Conway, wristband is obviously a great idea. You were developing it for a number of years. You've proven that it works. It's split off from the company you developed it with, your brother's company, the Solomon Group, and everything was set to take off. Now that was February, 2019. And you had a very impressive first year and then March, 2020 came around. Suddenly there are no live events, no conventions, no festivals, no sporting events. Sometimes problems like this can push a company to innovate and end up being a godsend Uh, other times sudden and unpredicted change like this can drive a young developing company to a place that's far less desirable so what's going on at wristband how are you surviving
3: yeah that that's a great question and it's obviously a really unique year to say the least for all of us um i think especially given that uh festival season as we call it typically runs from march through about october naturally anyway once we get past then it's a little cold you know, holidays, etc. So what's really, what's really tough, and, and and I speak, I think, on behalf of so many people in the industry is that, you know, a lot of people have not been on any jobs since last October, if you consider that this festival season was more or less uh, decimated. Um, to your question, though, what is really interesting um, is obviously, you know, our technology, we were developing uh, before the pandemic started. But what has really happened is that a lot of our Uh, potential customers and opportunities have started to look to us as a, Technology that allows them to come back. Um, so, you know, before maybe a lot of people saw some elements of our technology as maybe an optional or a nice feature, whereas I think a lot of those now are turning into requirements. And so, you know, just to kind of name a couple of things that that we're working on that are really important, um, as you alluded to, we're using electronic wristbands for the most part to to manage access to different events, venues, attractions, etc. But what we've started to build in, for example, is a New layer of um, people have to answer a health questionnaire before they're allowed to enter the event. Their wristband literally will not let them enter the event until they've answered that. And that could be every day. So, you know, maybe if it's a multi day event, every morning they have to fill out something or submit a test. Um, David, I could see great applications where each day somebody does have their temperature taken and that's recorded as part of their profile so that we can keep a log or a track of them throughout the event. Um, Another thing that's really interesting that we have started to push more heavily is reservations Um, uh, that, you know, typically I think we're used to using reservations in in restaurants. So you, you pick a restaurant, you pick a time, but taking that kind of same model to again, back to events or venues and attractions where you're no longer just going, oh, well, let me go show up to a celebration in the Oaks, but actually I need to pick a date and pick a time based off of the availability. So we're doing a lot of work there to use the technology to spread people out, to manage them, to to, to monitor that capacity, et cetera. So that's what's been really interesting about uh, wristbands since the pandemic is how our technology has shifted to be used as a means to reopen. And, you know, the, the thing I'm going to do in the research on the company i realized
2: there's a lot of information in your wristband i mean i think most of us just try to get through the the bouncer at the door but there's there's a lot of lot about you that's in the wristband
3: yeah that's right um you know it, it could really be anything about you um, the wristband is to keep it very simple just a, a representation of of who you are and your your profile, as we say. So you could have different tickets to different events, different credit cards to pay with different things, different you know sponsors who've asked for your data and, and given you some type of perks or rewards. So uh, to your point, it, it sounds really simple and you just see this one one wristband on your arm, but there's a lot of potential information and data that can be tracked behind the scenes for that. And you know, both of
2: you, I, this I might not be right on this, but it seems as if, the sweet spot for you guys would be that things begin to reopen, but COVID is still in our memory. Is, would that be right, David? Or
1: exactly, yeah. The the in our marketing, we're looking at that, saying, what 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 area are we in right now? Are we in um, you know getting something new out to the market, uh, keeping that real, keeping it safe, and then what it looks like in, in six months to a year? We believe. In different markets, it's gonna, it's gonna come out on its own, but I think, for example, in education, I think it's, it, temperature tracking is here to stay. You, you, it, COVID is not the main thing that you're checking for. Um, if someone has a fever, if a kid has a fever, if they have the flu, you don't want them in school. You don't want them to be spreading that. It is, at that point, if you have a fever, you are showing that you are um, you have an active symptom and you are contagious. COVID, flu, whatever that is. So we feel that's not going away. Also, when it comes to the medical um, offices and, and, and venues, uh, same thing, uh, once they have it and once it's in there, uh, there's no reason for them to stop and go back to a handheld thermometer or just stop taking temperatures in general. We wish it didn't have to be there, um, but you know we're, we're there to help make it safer for people to come there
2: you're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with David Rome from DigiTherm. That's the tech device that stands in the doorway of a public building and takes your temperature. And Conway Solomon from Wristband, the company that makes digital wristbands for access to live events. And, and Conway, for the, uh, the other side, and this is for both of you really, is just returning, getting people to return back to the office seems to be like a a, a another opportunity for your economy is
3: that the way you're looking at it yeah you know i think we're still looking at understanding how people are going to get back to events and experiences as a whole um i think you know obviously it goes without saying that the landscape of these events is going to look dramatically different for a period of time but what what i what i do believe is important and, and we're seeing this left and right is that despite everything that has happened the demand for people to want to be back at these style events is has never been higher. And, and what I believe will happen, what I hope will happen, um, is that a lot of these, uh, I guess we would call protections or implementations that we've kind of done to help with COVID, uh, even when COVID, you know, David, to your point, even when COVID does subside and, and, and things do start to get back to some I wouldn't say normalcy, but uh, to a new world, um, I I believe a lot of these technologies will stick around. I don't think people want to go back to waiting in line for two and three hours just randomly based off of going, well, we showed up at 7 p.m. That was our fault. So what I really hope and and, and see happening is that while there's a lot of stuff that we're doing right now, it's specifically because of COVID, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, advantages to the, the consumer and to the experience that I, that I hope and, and believe will stick around, even without having these protections in place long term.
1: I'm completely in agreement, Peter, is with Conway. It, you know, Events that Conway's talking about from festivals to concerts, it's exactly the same situation when it comes to associations and conferences, conventions. Um, People want to go back to those and they want to do that as soon as possible. The, the business of business is, is hurting because those conferences aren't happening. So um, to get it back up and running sooner than later, both, both uh, products, Conway's and mine, would definitely assist. And I think it's going to be the norm. I, I don't think it's going to go back to just show up, come on in and be in line with another thousand people right next to each other, coughing, sneezing. Uh, people are not going to they won't feel comfortable with that. If you could give them something to help make them feel comfortable, a little safer, that's going to continue.
2: And D- David, you know, um, one thing, if we gave the numbers here, it wouldn't sound like anything, but the difference between taking 10 seconds to go through a, a gate and two seconds is for, as an experience major. is unbelievable. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Major difference. Of course. And that's Conway. I mean, getting, getting people through those lines, um, the quickness is vital. Um, I, and I keep going back to the education. Imagine a thousand kids coming into school between seven to seven fifteen. Um, you can't have someone taking a temperature use of the people it, it would take you'd get maybe ten kids a minute through and that's not good. We we do around 30, 30 people a minute. Through any kind of line, so we we obviously recommend how many units somebody would need to get their uh, their people through. But if it's a small, you know, I, I'm sending out to a conference next week for 200 people. I'm just sending one kiosk. They're gonna they're gonna be able to get people through because they're not coming all at one time and standing in line. Um, so we, we definitely accommodate based on the need. Uh, David, do you uh, buy but, these or rent? Uh, does a customer buy them or rent them? Both. Both we have, yeah, yeah. Actually, so the conferences are like daily or weekly rentals, but we have leases for corporations and also purchases.
2: And Conway, uh, now that I started to get so interested in what's on the wristband, um, just a just curious question. At the university, I have a, a card that lets me into the business school building and my suite in my office, but it doesn't work throughout the rest of the university. Is there a way to use your wristband to differentiate that? Like for instance, um, you know, maybe you're not you're allowed in, but you're not allowed to the VIP section.
3: Yeah. So we can actually customize pretty much all of that. Um, so our, our, to, to start first things first, uh, to kind of speak to the hardware, I guess, um, that's where we often kind of, kind of say, we have to have the right hardware to actually scan a wristband or a ticket, or in your case, a card. And so, um, our hardware that we, that we have, that is a proprietary thing, um, that wristband has built, um, we can deploy them all throughout a campus or festival or really an event very, very easily. They all have Wi-Fi and cellular chips and onboard databases and all kinds of buzzwords that make them really reliable and really easy to deploy. So, um, you know, so in the case of a university, for example, like Tulane or or Loyola or something, uh, what we would probably, what we would do is we would work with them to map out and go, where do you need to have Uh, access portals or scanners and then to put those place those out so that they can all be operated and set up and then kind of I guess the second piece to that is for each person we then have to specify well where can this person go if you're a student versus a teacher an administrator versus a guest um, and so we can figure and specify all of that as well for each person so you know students get in to these locations and teachers to these so that way when you actually go to one of these portals and use your wristband or use your ticket whatever whatever it might be for for the relevant um the relevant situation that way it knows if you're supposed to get in there or not so we don't let we don't let uh, general admission people into VIP areas or backstage and vice versa. It, it makes sure everybody stays where they're supposed to and keeps it really quick and simple. You know, one thing I love about
2: you two guys doing this is you're from the events business. So not only you've, you know, pivoted, figure out a way to make some money and all that, but you're doing a lot for the businesses you love and you came from, I mean, that's,
1: that's gotta be fulfilling. <laughs> That, that was the key behind my doing this, being 30 years in the hospitality industry, um, actually ca- having COVID early in the process and March. Wow, you,
2: were, you really wanted to get the
1: whole experience for this project. I, I, I wanted to do the correct research for it, so. Uh, no, but because of that, um, my main goal was to bring people back to the city for uh, conventions to get, because that would help my other business survive of, of events. Um, but as you said what happens uh, out of that ingenuity comes all other markets that we can help Um, we've just landed a very good partnership with Ochsner health services so we are we are doing Oshner branded kiosks that they're gonna be using at a lot of their offices throughout Louisiana a lot of their companies that they are doing those employer relations with opening up offices so the more that we can get out there and help offices open schools open uh, conventions open, uh, that's the key. That's, that's why I did
2: it. One of the things I need to think about Conway is, uh, this is totally selfish, but I love music and I want jazz fest to happen next year. Can it happen with your product or is it uh, a key component to reopening things?
3: Yeah. You know, um, that's a great question. And, and, I, I think to be realistic, what I would say is yeah, each event is going to have to take it on a case by case basis to really determine what's right for them. Um, you know i i think as i kind of alluded to we can free up um all the lines getting into the entrance and whatnot but for example if it's still an event where everybody's clashing and getting back together anyway it, it kind of might not necessarily do a lot so i think there's certain events that are gonna still take longer to come back than others um I, I do believe though that one way or another whether it's in a small capacity or more limited capacity uh i think a lot of these events are going to do some really interesting things in 21 uh, to at least, you know, to stick around, right? And, and so maybe Jazz Fest doesn't look the same again yet, but I think that um, everything's got a path to get back there, and I think we're just going to have to take, you know, certain events like that in a different manner than, let's just say, a, a really private seminar or something where you're really only getting to 20 or 30 people per room, um, like Tales of the Cocktail, New Orleans Wine Food Experience. There's some events that are more like that that I think will return more quickly than others
2: well you guys are both going to be a part of uh part of those reopenings that's that's pretty great what about the technology involved here now i know david your technology was basically something that existed in, in china and then you uh, you changed the the casing and a few o- other things like that before you got it going do you have to pay a royalty on that or do you just buy the product
1: no no yeah just uh the toughness of getting products out of china is the hardest thing there so no no royalties we buy the product and then yes we we manufacture the the entire kiosk here um, and we also have a, a you know a re- reseller deals with certain um, companies out there and some that are the product can do more than what we do um, in regards to you're saying getting into different offices in, in on campus um, the the kiosk itself could be hooked up to doors that have locks on it that if you don't have a temperature the door will open up if you have a temperature you can't even get into the building you're trying to get into um so things like that we're continuing to expand on and to offer to our clients
2: and conway i'm obviously kind of uh in awe of everything you can put on that that wristband where's the technology coming for you are you developing it in-house or
3: what's going on there um we're pretty excited about that so we are developing all of our technology in-house both our software and our hardware um our team is not large but they are mighty uh so we've got both software developers and hardware developers that are full time uh for wristband and so you know kind of like you alluded to um earlier on about to david is something taking two seconds versus ten seconds uh that same concept applies substantially to everything that we do with access control and cashless transactions and all the other uh kind of things that you do on site and so using and having our own hardware our own software has allowed us to customize things to get them down to as minimal time as possible because you know having an extra 10 seconds or 20 seconds if somebody's fumbling looking for a ticket or they can't find it or back and forth multiply that even across 500 people or 1,000 people. I'm not, don't even go the route of saying 100,000 people because that's kind of obviously more more extreme, but even for 500 or 1,000 person event, those seconds build up um, both from the clicks that we're doing to get people registered and the time it takes for them to use it. So uh, our team is really focused and, and looks at across, uh, across all boards how to minimize those times, um, uh, those interaction times so we can get as many people as possible, kind of through and um, Conway. Where do they get
2: in the very initial part? How do these
3: uh,
2: the festival goers or
3: whoever uh, get the wristband? There's a bunch of different ways. Um, I, you know, I think that's also changed since COVID uh, as well. Um, we are heavily promoting mail fulfillment and pre fulfillment, so that you know, in theory, you don't have to worry about anything. You, you get your wristband in the mail ahead of time. Um, Or maybe they're distributed in some different manner through through a private group or organization and and that way you activate things you're ready to go. So by the time you show up at the event. um, There's really nothing left to be done. You don't have to wait in a box office align. We still have some some people on site to assist with that. So it's kind of like an airport right there's always somebody behind the counter. If you do need help, but ideally we can get as many people through there as possible without uh, needing to interact or, or help them out.
2: We know the COVID 19 pandemic has ushered in tough economic times for hospitality, for travel, and for tourism. Other sectors are struggling too, including education and medical. But for the tech sector, the pandemic really is a mixed blessing. Some totally tech driven companies like Amazon, Netflix, and Zoom are going through the roof, while others like Uber, Airbnb, and Yelp have taken a massive hit. Conway and David. All of us in New Orleans will be following your companies with interest, and we look forward to keeping up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch.
3: Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Peter. It was great. David, good to
2: see you again. You too, Conway. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Conway Solomon, partner and CEO at Wristband, and David Rome, co-owner of DigiTherm. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here at WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Wristband and therm by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast wherever you get podcasts and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos in this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Soon we will be going back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table. Until then, Commander's Palace is open for dinner seven nights a week and for brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Murrell, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Ricciuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com/slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street. Exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.